Think about where you were walking off the field against these guys last year to what, 10 months of really buying into something, really believing in each other, really trusting in the guy next to you, what that can really get you. So proud of the way we handled this thing. Leonard exits the pocket, right up the middle, spins his way to the goal line, and he is in for the touchdown. Leonard fakes the pass, he takes off, trying to get to the end zone, he reached out at the very end and scores for Duke. Brandon Johnson on the cover and the pressure came from the blind side and Van Dyke is still on the turf. Leonard looking for the end zone and he runs it in for the Blue Devils. Riley Leonard has scored his third rushing touchdown of the football game. At the 18, Jalen Stinson with the interception. Two, not three, not four, not five, not six. Seven, eight to be exact for Mike Elko's football team. Can we get some music? Yeah! After two weeks of heartbreaking losses, the Duke Blue Devils are back after a big win over the Miami Hurricanes. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kennedy, alongside Josh Cox, Jamie Holt, Scott Medlin, and producer Justin Sykes. And Duke fans, I think I speak for everyone when I say Saturday's game could not have gone any better for the Blue Devils, as Duke is now just one game, one game away from bowl eligibility. And before we give our thoughts on this past Saturday's game, here's Coach Elko post-game after the big win. What an amazing statement of resiliency from this football team and this football program and our coaching staff. Um, for us to have been through what we've been through the last two weeks, uh, for the game to start the way it did in the first quarter, uh, for the game to start the way it did in the third quarter, uh, and for this group to just continue to fight, continue to scratch, continue to find ways to make plays, um, and ultimately grind out what is a truly impressive uh, road victory for us. I mean, what a huge momentum thing for us going into the bye week. Um, couldn't be more proud of this group and, and what they did. Uh, we challenged our guys on defense. We knew this was going to be a game where field position was going to matter. We were going to have to create turnovers to be successful. Uh, they go out there and they create seven, and, and they consistently create short field after short field after short field. Uh, offensively, we knew yards were going to be tough to come by. We knew we just had to keep battling, uh, and we did, and we fought, and we scratched, and we fought, and at the end of the day, you look up, and we have 200-plus yards rushing. And so uh, just a great opportunity for us to go out and, and really show people what this program is starting to become. Uh, I told the guys in the locker room, uh, just incredibly proud of their fighting spirit uh, and how they represent this program in this university. And again, that was head coach Mike Elko with his thoughts right after Duke's 45-21 to win against Miami. It is the second straight win for Duke down in Coral Gables, Florida. And fellas, going to bring you all in. I know uh, we had some issues with good old Bally Sports trying to watch the game. We won't talk about that, but just overall thoughts as the Blue Devils have the most wins, I believe, since now 2018. Five wins in a season, and we've got four left. Look, that was a great game on Saturday. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I have seen peewee teams turn the ball over less than Miami did. Rumor is they're still turning the ball over right now. And 
what an amazing performance by the defense. I mean, we talked about it during our group text. <laughs> the group text, it was an emotional roller coaster on Saturday. But it started, <laughs> it started kind of rough. And Miami was kind of looked like they were doing whatever they wanted to, even though that fourth and one, it looked like we got to stop. Not gonna blame, not gonna blame the officials there, but it certainly looked like we got to stop. Then Miami did what they, what they needed to do, and they scored a touchdown right there. So credit to Miami there. But our guys responded with, I believe it was seventeen consecutive points at that point, and yeah. then coming into halftime. Or going coming out of halftime, I'm sorry. We get smacked again, and Miami takes a lead, kind of, kind of quick, like. Uh, and it looked it looked bleak, but once again, our guys, like they have done all year, responded with 28 consecutive points. So just an amazing performance overall, offensively, defensively. The defense was absolutely amazing. I don't. What else do y'all have to say? Oh man, it. I tell you what. All I could think about the whole time was bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come make turnover for you? But my boys, I mean, hey, it was almost like an Oprah event. You get a turnover. You get a turnover. You get a turnover. It was awesome to watch. And this team, you know, they rally at the football. Dwayne Carter made a great play on the turnover. Cam Bergeron made a great play on the kickoff causing the turnover. This is stuff that has happened to Duke over the years. It's nice to finally see it going in our direction. And these guys are being coached up to do these things and they're doing it and they're playing their butts off. And I mean, look, when, when we went down, like Jamie just said a minute ago, it, it, there were a few moments where we we're like, okay, what's going to happen? And then we started running the football again. And there you go. We took it right down the field, scored a touchdown, made him go back on offense. They turned it over, and just it kept going from that point on. When we went on the twenty-eight nothing run, they could not hold on to the football. It was awesome, and that was some of the best defense I think I've seen Duke play it in years. But it was it's awesome to see. I mean, the offense played well. O line was great. There was a couple times where they were showing replays of the running backs and seeing uh, Graham Barton knocking a guy down the field five yards away from the play, and he was the only one on the screen. So you know, things like that, seeing all the just seeing the team play as gel and play great. Hey guys, we're one win away. We're one win away from being back at postseason playing Christmas football. <clears throat> no doubt, Scott. No doubt. And a couple of things. I mean, first of all, heading into the game, guys. A 10-point dog, uh, that was a little, I believe, disrespectful uh, to to our, to our the Duke program. And so, you know, obviously I believe that was a part of the motivation. Obviously, there's motivation to win a football game no matter what. But when Vegas tells you you're 10-point dogs to a team that's got a worse record than you, um, that, that's a little, you know. And then I think we, we, can't, we can't ignore the fact that Tyler Van Dyke got knocked out of this game. I mean, we can't ignore that. Like, you know, you take you take it on our end. If Riley Leonard gets hit, you know, and gets knocked out of the game for us, and we're rolling, you know, with with a backup quarterback, the rest of the game. Now, I hope that Henry Beelan would not 
you know, just throw the ball to the other team on numerous occasions like Garcia did. But at the end of the day, we have to acknowledge the fact that that game did change and, and their, you know, their strategy had to change and the way they operated had to change. But once again, that's football. Look, Duke has lost players. Uh, we played, you know, the entire, uh, you know, we played a half without Shaka Hayward. We've had injuries and we've had guys that have missed games. Dorian Moose, he's missed multiple games. We've missed our number one running back. So there, you know, their injuries are a part of football, but you know, at that quarterback position, we we talked all week leading up to the game about how good Van Dyke was, and so you know that that did matter. Um, but I do love this. I love the fact uh, that Riley Leonard and let's say this Kevin Johns um, realized that th- in this game that that running attack from the quarterback position and from the running back position was just going to be the bread and butter uh, for this game. And man, there was a sustained drive that we had. Jamie, you mentioned. The first two minutes coming out of halftime, we give up 14 points in less than two minutes. That answer drive, I think, took like over eight minutes of clock. 922. And, and we drove down and scored. And that was like a that was a man, a man touchdown. You know what I mean? Like we 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 uh manned up and we just you know ran the ball down their throat there. And so, like I said, there's a lot of guys we could talk about. I mean, three guys got awards um this week. Brandon Johnson, man, Walter Kemp, uh, a player player of the week award, ACC defensive back of the week award, and I saw another one today from Duke inside the Duke Athletics um, umbrella. He got another one, and then Chandler Rivers, uh, freshman of the week, he had a great game. I believe he had six um, tackles and then two pass breakups and I think we can all agree to this guys Chandler Rivers does not look like a true freshman there anymore he's not he is a part of that rotation um and playing well and then how about babyface oh Polino Todd Polino with his first action um as a blue devil and uh the freshman kicker kicks a field goal and what was it six uh point afters I believe that's what it was 45, I think it was towards yes. 42. Yes. So he kicked a field goal and then six point afters. And so, man, shout out to those guys. They got they got awards um throughout the conference and the and the nation. And so, man, what what a win, Brian. What a win, man. And remember, Brian. In fact, I think we have the audio that we're about to play for this. Remember, remember before the game, there was some junk talk from that Miami side. And I think we've got the audio that we'll play for you. I believe as a Miami podcaster was looking through the devil's den he made some comments about our guy david feely and we're going to play those comments for you right now and then we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about what happened so here are the comments from a miami podcaster about david feely the conditioning coach here who are they talking about they're saying that we should have retained them I mean, we did replace them with the the best strength and conditioning coach in the country so Congratulations for you guys. He was an upgrade for you guys. He'll create a lot of um, Instagram model for you guys. We want real football players over here. So we don't miss him. We don't miss him. It is what it is. Wow, guys. I, I mean, I don't know what to say, you know. Um, I David need to be Feely, an Instagram model. Well, let me tell you something. I mean, our Instagram models, man, Instagram are incredible. Model. Let's just yes. say, let's say it that way. They're our favorite Instagram models. Uh, but man, Brian, what do you think about that smack talk, man? And and then honestly, let's talk about that, Brian. The smack talk beforehand, and then the way the Duke players responded. Uh, man, we in that fourth quarter, man, we we were like 
uh, we were on in our bag, as they say. So Twitter, Brian came out in a group text with a, some buddies of mine. Uh, they ha- they're UNC fans, and they were equally as impressed as we were. And I dropped a few uh, choice words about Miami and their fans. And my buddy goes, "Why do you? What, what's your beef with Miami?" And I and I said, "Let me put it. They think that Jesus Christ Himself is on every football team. They think that every year they're going to win the national title." Some other fan bases that we know say that too, but we won't delve into that. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And the fact of the matter is they brag about games they should win. I've never met a Miami fan who is humble, who I can have a an actual good conversation with. And so hearing these comments, not surprised by the least bit. What made it even better, though, is that same guy was posting a YouTube video on the field as Miami was getting waxed by Duke. Poetic justice. And, and, and there's no other way to put it. And if I do believe I'm right, I think I'm right on this. Wasn't it Jordan that posted about that? And then Coach yeah. Elko liked it? I believe yeah. so. If you're yeah. listening to this podcast and your team has yet to play Duke, can I just give you a piece of advice? Don't talk smack on the internet, on message boards, anywhere, because it will get back to Duke football and they will use that as bulletin board material. Jamie, you wanted to say something? I will say one thing I think we all love about this year's team is the pettiness of this year's team. (laughs) They they are, I mean, they see that stuff. They see the Instagram model comment and like, you know, and they see like what North, you know, what all the Northwestern fans and the media was talking about several weeks ago. That offensive line was going to dominate that defense, our defensive line. They see that stuff. Virginia see, walking through the warmups. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, that was that was totally disrespectful. Tony Elliott saying that he would hire Coach Elko as his defensive coordinator. Well, we know Dougham will that Coach Elko would not hire Tony Elliott. Uh, but anyways, they see, they see that stuff and, and they respond and I just absolutely love this team. I mean, cause a year ago, a year ago, we're talking about a team that once they got down, once Miami reeled off 14 points in a row last year, it's a different outcome, right? This year we see the response from the team, whether it be in the third quarter, fourth quarter, whatever, this team is just, they respond when they get when they kind of get smacked in the mouth. And by the way, if fan bases talk smack, as we were talking about beforehand, if for some reason the Duke football program does not see it, the Section 17 podcast crew will make sure that, that it gets to Coach Elko. We promise you. We've done it before, and we'll do it again. And so uh, keeping our eyes open um, on that on that for sure. But I agree what, with you, what, Jamie. Go ahead, Brian. What's even better? We get to relish this win for two years. We don't play Miami again until 2024. Thank you, ACC, for the 355 scheduling. We we love this now. And even better, it's going to be back in Miami in 2024. So how do you think Miami fans are going to feel in two years? But, I mean, Jamie, I'll, I'll, I'll get to you in just a second. I just want to, I want to mention this really quick. Going back to the defense, and then I'll hush. You know I'm a stats guy. I got to reel some of this stuff off. First things first, our largest victory against Miami in series history. How about that? 
What a what a way to go out of doing the home and home every year against Miami. Eight turn eight turnovers ties a school record for the most in a single game. We also had eight interceptions in a single game against UNC in 1933 and eight forced fumbles, and we recovered them all against Wake Forest in 1956. So tied a school record there. We are the first Power Five conference since 2008 to force eight turnovers in a game. Jamie, we were talking about this before you came on. You want to guess what team that was in 2008? I'll give you a hint. They used to be in the Big 12. Used to be in the Big 12 in 2008. Mm-hmm. Wow. God's helping you. Nebraska. There you go. <laughs> Nebraska, they actually lost the game 9-7 to seven to Iowa State. Now, we posted about this earlier today, but we're going to reiter- I'm going to reiterate it. We are first in the nation, first in fumble recoveries. We recovered 15 fumbles. Second is Bowling Green at With 11. 11? Yep. 11. Second in the nation in turnovers gained, 20. Here's the big one, folks. And if you've been a Duke fan for – two years or longer, you will appreciate this. We are tied for 11th in the nation, not the ACC, the nation in turnovers lost. We have only lost six turnovers through seven games. Last year, we had 21 for the season. In 2020, 39. 39 turnovers. Last in the nation in 2020. Thank you, COVID, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That that also, by the way, Brian, that ranks us second in the nation in margin. Uh, turnover yeah. margin. We're at That's plus right. fourteen or plus whatever, plus fourteen and a half, something like that. Uh, in turnover margin, man. And just to think, okay, at least I was the guy. I mean, I picked this to go four and eight this year, and I'll own that. Um, but you'll heading eat into that the crow. season. Do what? You'll eat that crow. You you wouldn't mind eating. That. Hey, I, exactly. If I'm gonna miss, if I'm gonna mess one up, that, let that be the one. Yeah. Um, but we were all kind of preaching like patience. You know, I remember when we when we even when we talked to Nina. You know, she was like, listen, let's be patient with this team and this and that. But, man, if if these guys have not just, you know, shown the value of a uh, new strength and conditioning coach, a new, uh, you know, a new culture and head coach. And then I, I just want to say this because I believe this bears noting. We didn't hit the transfer portal uh, in quantity like crazy. Quality. But, man, if you really think about the quality of guys in that portal, uh, let's let's just walk it through real quick. In the secondary, Speedy Young and Darius Joyner. Starters, Darius Joyner is a leader on this team. Speedy's a little bit quiet, and that's fine. But Darius is a leader. Speedy's a starter. Cam Dillon has, has basically captains the second unit of the linebacking crew, has played starter snaps in, in more than one game this year. Um, just had a highlight reel uh, this past weekend. I'm in Miami as well, so obviously he is, um, uh, you know, what what we need him to be. And then on the offensive line, we have Dre Harris. We have Chance Lytle. Where did he go to school? Uh, Dre (laughs) Harris went to Arkansas State. No, 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 no. Chance Lytle. Chance Lytle went to Colorado. There you go. Hold on, let me show you that one, too. There (laughs) you go. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. There we go. And uh, is that it? Are there any other other grad transfers? I mean, quarterback, but, but he's not. Ty is not gonna play. Those are the ones that are. Uh, those are the ones that are making prominent ones. Yeah, and I mean, I just, I just want to give a shout out to that because that's something newer, you know, in college football and something new to Duke. But man, I mean, I, I can't gloat anymore. By the shout out to Brandon Johnson for Anthony snapping the, the U, for snapping oh, yeah. the U over his over his knee. Uh, shout out that's to the, the Duke now. media team getting photo and video of almost every player with the upside with the Ben Humphreys. 
upside down you. And uh, I love it, man, going in there with, with a team that likes to talk smack, getting a win, and giving them a little taste of their own medicine. Go ahead, Scott. How about shout-out shout to hard hat number two yeah. on national TV with the – with the, and I love the picture with the with the hard hat guys and Matt's got the upside down you and his with his tongue sticking out. It's a great picture. A and great I love I love the fact that you could easily hear the let's go do chance mm-hmm. in the in the stadium. That was that was awesome. I mean, you know, and amongst the hundreds and hundreds of Miami fans, but I, I'm yeah. I'm sorry. Someone made the comment on Twitter saying, Well, this time of year there's a lot to do down in South Miami, so that's why they don't have a lot of fans. The following night, Miami Dolphins sold were on national out. TV, almost sold out. Don't give me that yeah. crap. Yeah, if they're winning, if they're winning, the fans are going to come out. Like it's, and it's kind of like that with all fan bases. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they don't have they don't have the, you know what I mean. That's not Ohio State, Nebraska. I'm not Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska. Those people yeah. like that. The yeah. cult following. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's good. So, um, any I guess a couple of thoughts, uh, and then we can kind of close up our Miami uh, talk. What do we think about the Cristobal era? I mean, if you think about it now, we talked about it a little bit heading into the season. I mean, heading into the game. Um, and, you know, Miami made that move. And, and and you know, is he the guy that's 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 going to be able to take them to where they think, once again, sometimes somewhat disillusional, but that where they think that they want to go? Well, I mean, didn't, didn't Manny Diaz – we were talking about this last week before we started the episode – I think we I looked up his three seasons. He was eight and four, like eight, nine and three, and nine then seven and, three, and five. Six, six, and they let him go that. after going seven and five. Yep. I mean, to me, it's unrealistic expectations. But they're gonna say, Well, we had Jimmy Johnson and we had Coach Snellenberger and we did this in the late eighties and the early nineties. But I'm sorry, we had Wallace Wade back in the nineteen forties and went to the Rose Bowl, but we don't hold our coaches to that high of an expectation right. now. I yeah. I, I that's just how I would compare it to if if we were going to be like them. I look at Miami football like, and I know we don't mention the round ball on here, but like Duke basketball. What are, what are our fans' expectations every year? Yeah, national, national title. Right? And sure. if we don't win, if we don't win it, they you know people talk junk. People, and it's unrealistic to win a national title every yeah. year, basketball or football, unless you're. Like Alabama, Nick Saban. Apparently, he wins basically every year. But, um, and I think Cristobal will be fine at Miami. I really do. I think he's got to change the the culture again. Like just like when Coach Elko came up to Durham, and he's completely changed the culture at Duke. I do believe that Cristobal will be fine in the long run. And I'm just I'm just not sure how how long it's going to take for him to change that. That culture, even though, like Brian said, Manny Diaz won at Miami. Well, his press conference after the game, basically, he said these guys are going to have to get with the program. They're going to have to do what we, what we want them to do and not give up when you're down. So that right there tells me that he's got to weed out some of the bad eggs, possibly. And hey, more power to him. They're paying that man a lot of money to do that. And that's and, and you know, like you just said, they want to win championships. They want to go back to the Jimmy Johnson and the Craig Erickson's and all those guys. But, you know, Rome wasn't built in the day. This is in Alabama where you're getting every five-star every year and you're in the title chase. Well, and there's six coastal teams, right? Six, seven. Six. There's only two coaches. No, no, seven, seven. 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 You're right, seven. Right. And if I – correct me if I'm wrong, 
but of the seven, only two of them had had returning coaches. Well, no, 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 three, Jeff Collins, but he got let go. But you think about it, you got Virginia, Virginia Tech, Miami, Georgia Tech will throw them in there, and us. And out of all five of those, we have been fortunate enough to probably be the most successful so far because I, I think, and I'll cap it with this, I think all the players have bought into Elko's system a lot quicker than maybe these other schools and their systems. Because, again, Miami, you had a winning coach. You let him go because he didn't meet the program standard. Virginia, Bronco Mendenhall quit because of health reasons. So no one expected that. Tony Elliott's now trying to come in and turn around a program. Virginia Tech is Virginia Tech. I mean, and then Georgia Tech was a train wreck when Jeff Collins was there. Brent Key, he's doing a good job, don't get me wrong. But who's to say that the new AD that they hired might bring someone else in? Jamie? Um, I just wanted to say something kind of off of what Scott said about Alabama and Saban basically getting getting whatever five stars they want. We saw the tweet. I forget which account it was uh, exactly, but Miami has a boatload of four- and five-star guys, and mm-hmm. Duke has a boatload of three-star guys, and we beat their asses. Like, but and the star system is not – in football is just not – reliable and we've talked about this before off the air it's just not reliable i mean you can get these five-star guys and they're i don't don't know what it is versus basketball you get five-star guys and you expect them to compete right away and contribute right away five-star guys in football your best bet is to redshirt and then come in as a redshirt freshman that's that's the way to win that's the way we've seen it that's the way we're seeing it done at Duke. We've got a couple of true freshmen playing, but for the most part, all the other guys are red shirting. So, well, well, look at look at Duke. I mean, we're we're a case study in that. I mean, our, our one of our top three highest rated recruits ever uh, can't see the, his way on the field in the secondary this year. Um, Jake Marweedy was one of the highest rated recruits at tight end we ever had, and I think he may have had 20, 25 career receptions, maybe. Bracy, um, Scott Bracy, yeah. I mean, never, our, I never just never highest. could put it together. Um, and so, I mean, we've seen that on the Duke end. And you know, I, I I was talking to a couple of the media members last week about about this exact thing. And you know, maybe these five star guys, maybe they get too much recognition too early and they stop working hard. I don't know what it is, but you know, T.J. Watt was a three star. Travis Kelsey, you know, whatever you can go down the list of these guys who had to fight. And I almost feel like if you can find the right three-star um, that that has something to prove, man, give him two mm-hmm. years and he's going to be out playing that five-star. And so, like, I think the star ratings, listen, we're, we've seen it. Listen, I'm not throwing shade at UNC. They, they beat us. I'm not throwing shade. But their defense is one of the worst defenses in the country. And it's full of high four-star and low five-star guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm not – I'm not making – I'm not – Throwing jabs at them. I'm just saying you cannot trust, as Jamie said, you cannot trust the star rankings. Well, I and and to your point, Josh, these three star guys are scrappy. They're trying to make a name for themselves. If our three stars went to say a Clemson or a Florida State, they wouldn't be seeing the field. So I think it, the the mentality is okay. Yeah, I'm here, but I've got to earn my way onto the field. These four and five star kids are doing the hat reveals and the shirt reveals and. You know, they think they're, you know what, don't stink. So on the field, they think, I got this. 
I got recruited as a four and five star. I'm good. I'm not going to lose my starting spot. I'm, you know, and I think when you have too many of that, and again, this is just me talking about a UNC, when you have too many of those four and five star recruits, I don't think the effort's there that much or as much as a three star would give or someone who's trying to get on the field or win a starting spot. And Coach Elko even said that to us at the beginning of uh, spring ball. Everyone's competing. No one has a guaranteed spot on this team or on, to get on the field. So, I mean, yeah, the star system for football is just, you know, it's a confidence booster is all it is. It's different in basketball, but in football, it's just, hey, look at me. I've got four stars. I was going to say, you know, if you if the video released the recap from earlier about an hour ago, and that was one of the things Coach Elko mentioned in the pregame speech. You play for the team on the front of your jersey, but you also play for the name on the back of your jersey. These guys have bought into that, and I've said it, and you know, say it again. Coach Elko is a master motivator, and obviously, we've learned that David Feely is a master motivator. You'll find out about that later. But these kids, these these guys understand. They want to win. They're listening. They love that new voice and system in their ear. And you can look at the difference. And we've said it every game that they've played so far this season. And we've in our recap each week. In this situation, we would have rolled over and played dead last year. They're not doing that anymore. It's not going to happen. This team is just not doing it. And the coaching staff has a thousand percent to do with that. They've changed their mindset to these guys are not giving up. They're going to play to the whistle. They're going to play every all 60 minutes and they're going to leave it everything out on the field. And that's what we've been begging for for years. And that's what we wanted to see Duke do. And now we have it. And man, it is fun to watch. And it is a joy on Saturdays to watch these guys compete at the highest level and give it their all. And we'll, we'll close this segment. We're going to announce our prediction winner from last week, but let me close the segment with this as a caution to Duke fans. We just spent the last five to seven minutes talking about recruiting and, and, and the star. So when Duke recruits guys and most of them are three stars still, even in, in the Elko era, let's hold off on our frustrations about not getting more four stars. Um, and if we do start landing four stars, let's pump the brakes just a little bit on going nuts and going crazy over a four-star because Amen. we've seen it happen. And so, like, let's just be real. Let's be realistic fans and understand that a three-star uh, could turn out to be uh, – look, Daniel Jones wasn't even a three-star. All right, so so uh, a three-star could turn out to be much better than a four-star. There's a lot that goes into this. And so I just want to caution Duke fans. As we, as we see these recruits coming in, you got Grayson Loftus right now who is that teeter – uh, he is three-star in some, and he's working his way up into four-star in most right now. Um, we got other guys that are going to be four-star. Let's not go completely crazy if he's a four-star, and let's not be so disappointed if they're a three-star. And uh, So, anyway, that was just my little uh, heed to Duke fans. Brian, uh, this past week we had uh, score predictions that we put out every, every Wednesday. We won't be doing it this week because we're on the bye week. We're going to yep. go ahead and take that W. Duke's going to win the bye week. And uh, talk about last week, Brian, who won on Facebook and who won the score predictions on Twitter. So we had two winners. So we're going to keep the winning train rolling. On Facebook, Jason Rogers, longtime friend of the podcast, 
He predicted Duke to win 38-21, to so congratulations, Jason. We'll be reaching out to you. Actually, I think he reached out to us already, so I think he knew that he won. And then on Twitter, Mr. Alton Vaden, at Vaden Alton, he predicted Duke to win 38-24. to So, guys, congratulations. And as Josh said, we're going to take a week off on the predictions winner, but we'll be back next week for the Boston College game. Jason I mean, Rogers. for any of you that are wondering, uh, Jason Rogers is Cash Rogers' dad. Was, oh, is that what you were saying? Yeah, video board superstar, Cash Rogers. Yes. <laughs> if you have not signed Cash Rogers' jersey yet, you need to find him and sign his jersey. That's right. That's our guy. That's our guy. Well, uh, listen, we were able uh, today, we want to bring you kind of a, a special interview. This one is unique, guys. Usually the interviews that we will bring you on this podcast are very heavily football. Um, and and this one, um, this one is um, not tons of football. We're actually getting to know – a guy on our roster that you probably don't know anything about. His name is Memorable Factor. Memorable is a rugby slash uh, traditional football soccer player. Um, got a lot of interest. Really interesting guy. You're going to enjoy the interview. Interview before we go to the interview, uh, we do want to hear a word from our sponsor. Obviously, tonight we did not have the tail of the tape on a bye week, and so before you hear the interview with Memorable Factor. Here's a word from our sponsors, Comfort Mechanical Contractors. Hey guys, Brian here with the Section 17 Podcast. Quick question for you. What do Duke, North Carolina Central, and the Durham Public School Systems have in common? Well, they all have their heating and air service work done by Comfort Mechanical Contractors. Comfort Mechanical Contractors offers full-service commercial HVAC organization, as well as install work for new construction and commercial renovation. With their full fleet of service vehicles at the ready, Comfort Mechanical Contractors is equipped to handle service calls, as well as install building automation and control systems. For more information, give Comfort Mechanical Contractors a call at 919-383-2502. That number again, 919-383-2502. Comfort Mechanical Contractors, the premier commercial heating and air service contractor of the Triangle. All right, we are uh, here with... A guy you may have, if you scroll through the goduke.com football roster, uh, like all good fans do during the offseason, shout out to the Duke football program for keeping that updated on like an hourly basis. Um, but you probably saw um, a name pop up that you're like, that's an interesting name. Uh, and that is a name called Memorable Factor. And so we yes, did sir. the same. And so uh, we, Jamie, Scott, myself, we're missing Brian right now, but that's okay. Uh, because we have Memorable Factor here on the Section 17 podcast with us. Memorable, thanks for taking a few minutes and hanging out with us, man. No, no, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure, man. So, look, man, We first of all, man, we got to talk a little bit of football. Yeah, yeah, so, go like, for it. Here we sit, five and three. Mm-hmm. Um, just beat Miami um, last week. What's the feeling, man, in that locker room uh, uh, as we head into that bye week and then Boston College? I mean, it's terrific. I mean, that's one of the things I noticed the most, because obviously I'm a freshman coming in is that locker room culture is amazing. Now, whether or not it was always like that, I can't tell you. You know, some of the older guys definitely could. But right now, I mean, we're just together as a unit, and, you know, everyone's ecstatic, obviously. But but, but I will say part of, you know, the D and grind, it, you know, it, it, it is dependability. It's about being the same the same person no matter, like, if you win, lose, or yeah. whatever. So, like, we don't we, – we get – you know, we're obviously very all excited. And, you know, but – Honestly, we're just, I think, overall just continuing to work. And yeah, next game, great. right? Yeah, next game. Yeah, Next game. Well, look, man, so we looked at your bio. Um, we see that you are not listed as from America. 
I'm not. Yeah. So let's talk about it, man. So, uh, is it, is, uh, I don't have it pulled up. So give us the hometown and give us the story, man. So I live in London. All right. Uh, wait, 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 wait. You just literally changed your accent when yeah. you said that. Yeah. So when you I, whenever I say, changed your accent. when I say London, I say, in, so this, this is like a, another thing. Whenever I say, talk about British things, I go British. And whenever I talk about American things, I go, okay. American. Okay. That's cool. Um, yeah, but it's, so I am, I was born in New York. Okay. I lived there till I was three. Then I moved to Charleston, lived there till I was eight. And then I have basically lived in London since then. Um, but my parents are both American. So it's, that's why I have an okay. uh, American accent, like more or less. Um, actually, when I got here, my accent was a lot more British. So I, I literally got on, you know, when I got on the plane, I hadn't been to America, you know, other than my visit, I hadn't been to America in, you know, like years and years and years. And so it literally go from just like living in England, surrounded by British people to living in America, surrounded by Americans. So it's like, and not I, just, not just like Southern America too. Yeah. That's where we talk with a little bit of a. Well, it's an not, accent. it's yeah. not too, I some people on the team that talk, talk more of an accent than others. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think, I think so being, you know, being immersed in there, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting, you know, a lot less accented over time, but no, I'm, I was, I, you know, I live in London. My whole family's in London. My, my dog's in London. Fortunately, <laughs> wish he was over here, but no, oh, oh, oh I'm like, I, like I have a British passport, yeah, yeah. um, dual citizen, but yeah, no, I am from London. Yeah. All right. So go ahead. What's, if I was coming to London. Yeah. What's something I have to do? Like, I mean, the actual honest answer is not a very interesting one, which is the London Eye, because uh, it's just that iconic, and it's next to Big Ben and stuff, so you just see everything. Um, aside from that, there's some very, very good restaurants around there, but I, I think in terms of special things you can do in London, that's one of them. Something that a lot of people don't know is like the Churchill War Rooms. So underneath London, there's these uh, these like bunkers that Churchill used, and they, they kind of recreate them, and that's really, really cool, too. I love London though. So if you ever come, make sure you give me a holler. Oh, I'll show you around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Can for I sure. First? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, is direct flight now. Hey, he, he's not Jamie's a nervous flyer. flyer. Uh, he's a nervous flyer. He'll uh, do it, but a, only if he has to. He can swim, man. So yeah, there you go. There you go. Good for the cardio. So, uh, so growing up in, in England, what was the sports uh, like up there, man? And, you know, kind of. I'm assuming you didn't just play traditional American football, right? Over right. In London, so. so I played. I played rugby. So I played rugby at a school called Summerfields, and then I ended up going to school called Eton and played rugby there too. Um, I played, so I played like, it's kind of hard to just change the position, but I played number eight, which is like, imagine like a quarterback combined with a running back that also occasionally has to block, which I guess kind of works with the running back. Okay, yeah. So that's, so like you end up making a lot of like man. So you're basically sense. like Jordan Moore. You yeah, just every position on the team. Yeah, I mean, basically. Like, I mean, wherever we need to throw him this week, we'll just throw him out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and he'll I, exceed. He'll excel. I mean. Nah, I was. I, then basically, I, I that's like a very tall person position towards the end. So once I like, I was basically the site for a long time. So I, was, I, I started out for like in that position, and I moved to inside center, which unlike football is actually a smaller person position. Um, uh, and so I, I played rugby, and then I moved. Um, I, I was best at a sport called sevens, which is like a form of rugby. It's a bit like. They don't really have it for football, but it's like, it's like what three v three basketball is for yeah, five v yeah. five. Maybe so like a seven on seven. Yeah, it's like seven on seven. Yeah, yeah. yeah, basically. It doesn't mean that's what it is. It's seven on seven rugby, so it's a lot faster pace. But they take it still seriously. It's a, I believe it's an, it is an Olympic sport actually. Um, so yeah, from there I pl- started rowing when I at, at Eton my last term there, and then I continued that at Westminster. Like that was my main sport for a long time, which you know I like that that was like probably the sport actually in my life I've been best at. Mm-hmm. It's a miserable sport. Don't get me wrong. It's <laughs> boring. You're just sitting in a boat for <laughs> for literally eight hours a day some days and just rowing. 
but no, that was a sport I was best at, um, you know, so far. Uh, and then from there, I started actually, I joined a football team while I was still playing rugby. And then I joined like the English national team, which they do have one, surprisingly, huh. for for American football. So for football. And yeah, and then I, I came to Duke and that was really nice. my first first taste of real, real football. So did you actually, have you ever played the other version of football? Soccer? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Soccer, football. Yeah, no, I played. I which played. one's better? Uh, different. I mean, the thing about, here's the thing about soccer or football. I'll say soccer because we're in America, but the thing about soccer as a sport is that it's, it's so pick up and play. Like football, football is a weird ass sport. Like for, like if you get like 50 people, like if you get like a bunch of guys together that don't really, that don't know each other that good, they're going to have a hard at, like hard time playing on 11, 11 contact football. If you get, you know, 22 guys that, that know, that don't know each other, they can play soccer like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just different. I mean, it requires, I always played soccer fun. I think it's one of the most fun sports, you know, in the world. It's great. Like, it's like a very good pickup sport. It's like what basketball is in America. You know, you have little soccer courts around. Yeah. Um, no, I play, I, I love soccer. I love All soccer. right. So you're in England. Yeah. You're playing multiple sports. Yeah. Got an interest in American football. By the way, you have like rugby legs, bro. Like, not, not to be like, yeah, nah. Nah, but I mean, you can definitely tell, you know, like you played. So you're playing multiple sports. How in the world... Do you wind up on a, a visit to Duke University in Durham, North Carolina? Like, right? how do you wind up on a visit to Duke? And then how do you wind up on this team so, uh, here in Durham? It, it's kind of secret. I've been wanting to play football at a short number of U.S. schools, one of which was Duke, for like a very long period of time. Like, that was something I was actually working toward. Obviously, based on my situation, like, it, I couldn't really, like, there was, I couldn't really find a good pathway of doing that. So I thought of a lot of different things, which is why I started playing football in England to begin mm-hmm. with, although it's not the same thing at right, all. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not the same thing. But I I, I, I basically just, you know, w- worked on my sport, and then I reached out, and then I, I came without really much expectation for the spring game. And then from there, we just kind of, like, it, it just, you know, thank God worked out. But, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, when, when I first came, I was just like, like I'd like I was just surprised to even be here and just so super happy to be here and I still am. That's yeah, that's awesome. Such a huge what, let me ask this question: mm-hmm. uh, Since you said you had a number of schools, could you tell us what the number of who they are? Or yeah. would you not feel comfortable? I mean, no, nah, there there was there was you know, I'll tell you after, but it's there there's no, a couple of those. But yeah. as long as one of them uh, was not in Chapel Hill, it wasn't in Chapel. Then we're Hill. good. Then we're good. Yeah, there's no there is no shot for Chapel. Yeah, Hill. all right. That's, that's 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 as we call it on our podcast, Chapel Hill College. She's too smart uh, over there. So, um, so. You get here to Duke, um, and then as podcast guys ourselves and kind of you know dabbling in a lot of different spaces, mm-hmm. uh, we figure out that you have a YouTube channel, yeah. right? And so, um, and you don't just have any old YouTube channel. Um, you have the average American YouTube channel that has seventy eight thousand five hundred subscribers. Mm-hmm. Yep. You All right, we got explain. So, so this is what happened. So, I I was on YouTube one day. I was on YouTube one day, just minding my business, and a video came up because I was a big rugby fan, so I had a lot of rugby in my timeline. Mm-hmm. And a video came up of this this army vet watching watching rugby, and he got everything wrong in it. And I read the comments through, and they were super super negative. But the video had two hundred thousand ish views. The, the guy's channel was actually called the Heartless Buttface. It's still up, but <laughs> and so I saw that, and I said, like, I just kind of said to myself, like. Like, basically, like, the only reason he's doing so well is because the comments are pushing up the algorithm, right? right. So, it's like, like you know, you know, clickbait. Everyone right. knows what Even clickbait is. Even if you're is. wrong. Even if you're but wrong. But that's comment bait, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he's, yeah. the content is baiting people to comment. And so, like, I know knew a lot about rugby, obviously. So, I knew exactly what pissed him off. 
So I made a video, which was the very first video I ever made, which was um, basically just American reacts to rugby. And I just put on this character of like, like, cause at the time I spoke like completely like a British person. So I just put on like an American accent and just started poking buttons. And I kind of uploaded it and forgot about it. And I came back, I was on vacation or whatever. And I came back and I checked the YouTube and it had 500 views. And I was like, 500 views, that's crazy. That video today, I think has just over half a million. So it was completely accidental. And it, it, it kind of just ballooned from there. And I like, yeah. And, and I haven't uploaded in like a, a long, long yeah, time. And I, we're gotta, we gotta get back on there. But, um, yeah. Cause you went into, uh, was it cricket? You did some cricket stuff. Yeah. So I went, I went from, I kind of exhausted the rugby market. Um, <laughs> and then I went into the cricket market for a little bit. Cricket, uh, this will bore you guys, but there's, there's a whole, there's a whole lot of intricacies in the difference between the two sports in terms of, you know, doing what I was doing there. Um, Cricket, there's a lot, there's a much greater population of cricket viewers yeah. than rugby viewers, um, but they're worth a lot less on YouTube because they tend to be from India, which has a lot lower ad rates. Yeah. So that was like a really big consideration for me, which was at the time, which was like, do I focus on rugby with less viewers and which is much higher earning, or do I focus on cricket with a lot more viewers, which is lower earning? And I ended up doing cricket, doing both basically. Um, Some of those cricket matches will last like, you know, a second day, right? Yeah. Oh, into five days oh my gosh yeah yeah no i mean i think this the biggest stadium in the world i know is in north korea the second biggest stadium in the world is the uh is a cricket stadium i believe i don't recall where in india but it's it's somewhere in india it has like one hundred and forty-five thousand seats or something in there wow it's a big thing americans always forget which is that cricket is one of the most popular sports in the world yeah um it goes soccer then cricket which yeah I mean, that's, it's pretty wild, but you think about it when, when your market is really over there in like Asia, yeah, uh, where there are just tons of people and like, you know, we, we get very, uh, we get very Westernized over here and like yep. everybody thinks just like we do here in America and they watch, you know, they watch the chiefs and the, and the bills play every Sunday, you know, or yeah. whatever. So I, I know that the, the global sports market is a lot different than the American sports market. And, and the interesting thing about cricket too, is that it, it's growing in the U S but it's, it's not growing that fast. We're like soccer is growing really, yeah. really, really fast in the U S there was the MLS, but there's no real professional cricket league or, or really rugby league. That's, that's, um, I, and I think the reason is because cricket and rugby are very complicated sports. They're similarly as complicated as football to picking yeah, yeah, up. Yeah. And football is not obvious at all. Like if you take someone who doesn't know anything about football and bring them to a football game, they will have literally no idea what's going on. That's my wife. That's, yeah. Uh, well, there's, that would be her. There's, there's, there's a girl in, in one of my dorms, uh, shout out Alexia, but she, I've heard, has has very little clue like about about what goes on. And I, I just heard some very funny stories from people telling me about what, like some of the things that some of the people that like haven't grown up around football will say. They're like, like, like this is one I heard. I heard that they were wondering like how long we had to get it down the field. So they thought it was like that was what the quarter length the was. Time, yeah, That's yeah. how long we had to get it in the end zone before it turned over. Or man, fifteen whole minutes. Man. Yeah, it was like fifteen <laughs> minutes. But not nah, crickets. Crickets wildly complicated sport that makes no sense, even if you understand what it is. Yeah, it really doesn't make any sense. I gotcha. So uh, obviously being here as a mm-hmm. freshman, uh, I don't know if the uh, if it's red shirt. I don't, I don't know what, where, where yeah, you're I'm looking right at red shirting. Um, what's the, what's the goal, man? I know you'll, you know, means you'll have four years after this, uh, linebacker. Is that where you're officially listed or are you just kind of going to be a hybrid, like wherever? So I'm officially listed at linebacker. My first time really ever really playing linebacker was here. So I played, I played for GB. I played, uh, like running back and fullback. Okay. And then in high school I played, I did play linebacker, but it it wasn't really proper. Like it wasn't like anything real. And I played, um, quarterback too on offense. 
Um, so what's the learning curve like? So like oh, you're here now, yeah. and you are. I mean, not only are you in ACC, Power Five football, but you have uh, this brand new coaching staff here, and you've got, you know, you've got a head coach that's a defensive genius. Oh my god, yeah. Uh, and then you've got on the offensive side of the ball, you got Kevin Johns who has proven himself, you know, wherever he has been and proved himself again this year. So what is that learning curve like for you uniquely? Because like you said, you're not like these other guys on the team, they've been playing football since. Pop Warner since they were five, six years old. This is you're you're kind of learning on the job. So how is that for you, the learning curve? It's here? it's it's really an incredible experience. I mean, because I came into I, it's very rare, I think, that anyone really in like in life gets to come into an a an area where they basically have no understanding full of full of professionals that are, I mean, unbelievably terrific. And, and especially in scout team season, you know, getting to go against those the first team, you know, like like you know, and and just seeing how they operate versus how, like, and seeing the level they operate at it is incredible. Now, with the learning curve, there was a pre- I mean, there was a pretty steep learning curve, and there still is. Um, I, you know, my first, like, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, this is probably the first time the coaches are hearing this on podcast, but my first my first period of time, uh, you know, being here, I had no idea what was going on in the defense <laughs> at all. I had no clue. I mean, to be honest, it showed in, in many places. But I, Did you I, have an excuse that, like, if they ever got on you, you're like, Bro, I've never. I, it's not even my sport. Like I'm not even. I, like, why are you yelling at me? I'm no, never, I don't know. I don't know. There was a lot of. Uh, I, I know Coach Smith made, made made a lot of fun of me, but uh, <laughs> for, for for all that. But uh, like t- towards the end of training camp, I started like really. That there was like a couple moments where I really really clicked because I was like basically just trying to like memorize every single page of the playbook like for verbatim, which is a terrible. It's a terrible way of doing it. That's not going to work. And I, I talked to like. I mean, really, like people that I talked to the most was like Rocky and Shaka, mm-hmm. uh, and and Hoff and a couple other guys and oh, Dorian, obviously. And those guys really, you know, were nice enough to you know, spend time and really help me. Um, so I'm starting to like begin to understand it more. Uh, but the the learning curve initially was incredibly steep. It's still pretty steep, but it's it's it, you know I'm I'm just trying to get better every every yeah. week. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. So we do have to ask you yeah, of course. one of our five deep questions uh, that, we, that people seem to like. I think you actually heard us as we talked to Dwayne. Um, yep. But with the British influence, mm-hmm. three course meal, we're starting Ooh. appetizer, we're going main course, and then we're going dessert. Now you can, you can go British if you want, nah. but we know the superior cuisine uh, Japanese, right? Oh, well, hey, no, hey, no, I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to argue with that for sure. You, uh, catch me at a hibachi place anytime. I'll be yeah. there. <laughs> no, I'm, uh, that's really good. I was thinking about it. Like, it, it's difficult because I'm pretty, like, discordant in terms of the things I like. Like, one of my favorite foods is oysters, but also I love steak. And okay. I also love Japanese food and I also love, yeah, yeah. but I, I think probably if I had to pick, like, one, like, one, like, solid meal, like, this is going to make no sense, but I'd start. With like a little appetizer or some sort of sushi. Okay. And then I yep. and then I go to like a really good cooked steak. Those two things do not match. But that's are you what doing I would like do. what kind of steak are you doing? You doing oh, ribeye, fillet. 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 fillet, fillet, okay, fillet yeah. with a big side of mashed, but big fillet with a big yeah, side yeah. of mashed potatoes. Okay. And I don't know. I probably add in some sort of some big, big soft drink in there and just yeah, yeah, yeah. wash it all down and then finish yeah. it with with I tell you what, I finish it with I finish it with a like a beautifully cooked brownie, like a mushy in the center. Okay. Ice cream on top. Yeah, yeah. Like the class, that's a classic. Yeah, like yeah. Really, yeah, but like, 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 just out, just, just out of the oven. Yeah, yeah. Have you had lunch yet? Yeah. Okay. I was about for to those who hadn't eaten yet, we're really, really hungry. Right <laughs> yeah. Now. I think uh, I think you guys have been able to see why his YouTube channel um, took off because uh, he he not only knows what to say but how to say it, 
and uh, and and even the accent coming in and out. I mean, this was just incredible, man. Uh, I'm a little we, out of practice, but I, <laughs> I, I appreciate the compliment. Well, listen, Duke fans. So here's what you need to do: you need to follow him on Instagram if you ha- or on Twitter if you haven't yet. Uh, what's your what's your Twitter handle? Mem Factor. Mem Factor. Mem Factor. So hit that up. Instagram, wherever you can find him, and then his YouTube channel is called uh, the Average American. Right. That's correct. Yeah. At some point, we're gonna start. I actually filmed. This is someone that normally. I actually filmed the video with. I was gonna do like me versus Shaka doing something, and then me versus like one of kickers doing something. So Todd is my roommate. Okay. Shout out to Todd. Yeah. Todd did a great job. Yeah. This week, and we we're all very very proud of him. We're also. cracking up. At his, uh, someone tweeted about like how. Uh, about him being a little kid, and his response on Twitter was, "I'm only eight. Yeah, he was all hyped. About, he was all hyped about that too. Cause, great. Cause he got like he got like uh like he told me he was like he got 150 likes or something. He was all he was all excited about that. Yeah. I'm only five years older than my son, so yeah, I don't know. Todd, Todd is Todd. Todd's fine. Todd, Todd gets all the ladies because everyone likes Todd. Yeah, um, but he's like a little kid, man. You know, I don't know. I just he's very. I mean, I think in person he's he's a little less of a little kid. He's, okay, All he's right. like six foot three. And okay, they, all right. They did him dirty. He's got some game, huh? I always he's he's got a ton of. I mean, you should see that guy. I mean, he's he. They did him dirty because on the roster it says six two, but he really measured in at six two point eight. So okay, so, so he's he, basically six three. So he, yeah, he's basically six three. So he's yeah. a he's he's pretty much a grown ass man. I'd yeah, say. we can we'll, we'll protest that. that we made that, fun of him yeah. for that too, by the way. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah no, that's, that, that is uh, <laughs> that is great. Well, look, we're looking forward to you releasing more videos. I can tell you this, Section 7 Day Podcast, you release YouTube videos, we'll help. We'll push it out, man. I appreciate that. We'll push that. it out for you. appreciate that. Memorable, uh, f- on behalf of Scott Medlin, Jamie Holt, the absent Brian Kennedy, um, thanks for coming on the Section 7 Day Podcast and hanging out and where with is us, he, Where's he at? Bro, I, I get, he either is working or he is watching his kids. <laughs> Both, neither one of them are valid excuses. Yeah, I know. You know, but... Uh, Anyway, Brian will be back next week. So, Sounds good. I was looking forward to hearing it. And I'll tell you what, if he doesn't come back, you're I'll the place man. him. You're the man. Let's I'll do come it. Come on here. All right, Duke fans, thanks for, thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. Thank you. Now turn the music up.